And the rest of you, if you have your Bibles handy, uh, why don't you go ahead and open up to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And as many of you know, we are a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church. We believe that our authority comes from the Holy Spirit of God and comes from His Holy Word, which He has given to us. And so, therefore, we turn to His Word every single week and we go through books of the Bible. And as many of you know, we are walking through the Corinthian letters written by the Apostle Paul. And uh, as I was looking forward from last week into the section of 1 Corinthians we'd be teaching this week, the topic all over 1 Corinthians chapter 5 was about sexual ethics. And he was rebuking them about their sexual conduct. And I thought to myself, well, in light of the fact that our dear friend Mike Peake has went to be with the Lord and we're mourning his death, and the fact that our, our good friends, uh, Bucky and Jess and their family are moving away, uh, I thought it would be rather tone deaf if I uh, followed through with 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And instead, I, I decided, and I think the Lord wants me to speak instead, um, about a topic more relevant to what we're all thinking and, and feeling and wrestling with in this moment. And so one topic that my wife and I have been speaking about this week is, is the importance of time and the value that we put on time and the fact that time is indeed a gift from God and that every single moment that we get to spend with one another ought to be something we give thanks for and something that we cherish and appreciate. Uh, because, as I often say, we don't know how long we'll get to be together. There's no guarantee that all of us will be in the same room next week. In fact, we know that one family will not be here next week. And so, I want us to turn to the Scriptures and really just think about this concept of time and what it is and, and why God has given it to us and what we ought to do with it. And so... With that said, let's say a word of prayer, and we'll look at these things together. And then I, I do hope that you join us and spend some time after service, enjoying a potluck, having some fellowship together. Um, let's pray. Father, how good you are. You are worthy of all of our praise, and then some. Father, we're thankful for all that you have created all that you have made is good and is very good. And forgive us, Father, for our pride and our sinfulness, which turns away from you, which glorifies and honors things in your place. Forgive us, Lord, for our sinfulness and our rebellion. But thank you, God, for your grace and your mercy, for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. Thank you for coming at that perfect time to die so that we can live. You are truly worthy of all of our praise. And I pray that God, as long as we have breath, that we will use it to honor you. Help us as a church to honor you in all that we do. I do pray for the Colvin family as they leave. Guard over them, protect them, watch them. Fill them with your Holy Spirit. Help them to keep in step with your Spirit. And thank you so much for the time that we have had with them. 
and that we have with each other. In Jesus' name, amen. So first I want to walk through some truths from the Bible about the concept or the mechanism of time. First of all, time was created by God, and time ultimately was not a result of the fall, but it's something that God created and that he called very good. See, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and he filled it with animals and with men. But God also created time, as the Bible says, through changing seasons, through the sun, the moon, the stars, the rotation of the earth, the rotation of the galaxies. And first off, I mean, thinking about that fact, it really is a demonstration of God's creative supremacy over all of his creation. But also God, he created time with a purpose. It wasn't just to show off, which of course it is. I mean, God, it's magnificent what God has created. We've spent uh, generations researching it and looking into it and marveling at what God has made, the sun, the moon, the stars, the galaxies. It's all glorious and God deserves total honor and glory and praise. As we stand out in the night sky and we look up and see the stars and we look at stars shooting and the, the moon is glowing, it ought to bring us to a place of adoration and worship to God. But God also created time to be a mechanism of governance over his creation. So Genesis chapter 1, verses 14 through 19, as I mentioned, God created time or the concept of time before the fall. And time and seasons are a fundamental good. So in Genesis 1, 14 through 19, it says, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years and let them be as lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give them light on the earth to rule over the day and over the night and to separate the light from darkness, and God saw that it was good. And there was evening, there was morning, the fourth day. So here in the creation account, we notice that there's a succession of days in God's creation. And the way these days are divided, at least after this day, was by the sun and the moon and the stars and the rotation of the earth, morning, day, night. And so here we, here we see that even in the garden, the Garden of Eden, where there was no sin, no rebellion against God, where man was living forever with God in perfect peace and harmony, that God had this mechanism of time. And, and so we can't say that time is a result of sin because time existed before sin entered in. However, time after Adam and Eve rebelled against God, did um, have an aspect of a curse. Time, in essence itself, became cursed. Just as the ground that man worked on became cursed, just as childbearing became cursed with pain, uh, just as being cast out of the garden and mankind in general being cursed through Adam and Eve, 
and death entered in. And so, in the same way, even time, time became cursed. And the beautiful thing about God is that in His grace, He didn't just terminate us. He didn't uh, cause us to go extinct. But rather, He gave us an opportunity through His grace to be able to repent and seek Him in uh, in faith and to have a right relationship with Him again. But nevertheless, death entered in because of the curse of sin. And death is marked by time. Because you see, as soon as we're born, the countdown to our death begins. And none of us knows how long that countdown is. But our lives, ultimately, through time, are governed through that mechanism, and that's the way that God has made it. And so, even though it's a curse, we still recognize it as a blessing. Because here we are right now, in this moment in time, we are sharing this space together, face-to-face, singing songs together, sharing our testimonies and our life's stories and our struggles and our victories, sharing a meal together. In this time, time is a blessing. But also, we recognize there's a curse aspect as well. For example, you know when you're working and you're at a job that you really hate and time slows down? I think that's an aspect of of the curse. Or if you have the weekend or vacation, or time off, and time suddenly speeds up, that's another aspect of the curse. Or maybe for our our children, or even me a little bit sometimes still, um, when Christmas is slowly approaching, and you're, you're so anxious about the specific date on the calendar, and you can't wait till it gets there, that also, that anxiety that you feel on um, scheduled events coming up is also part of the curse. And as we've experienced this last week, when the doctor announces the time of death of a loved one, a family member, a friend, that also is a reminder of the fall and a reminder of the curse. And so that leads us to the question, well, if if time existed before the fall and if time exists now during the fall of man, What about in heaven? Will will there likewise be time and seasons? Well, when we look at Revelation 21, 23 through 25, it gives us some insight into that question. It tells us about the new Jerusalem, which will come down out of heaven. It says in 21, 23, the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, but the glory of God gives its light and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. And so it seems that in this new Jerusalem, with the new heavens and the new earth, at least within the city gates of the new Jerusalem, that there will be no day-night cycle, there will be no concept of, of time or changing seasons. But as far as what the new heavens and the new earth will be like, we don't know. The Bible simply does not say in great detail. But as far as our lives right now, 
all of us within this temporal time, conscious of the fact that our time on earth is limited and that one day all of us will die, we are still aware of eternal life. And this was on purpose. You know, despite, and maybe it's the dual nature of time that we're living in and the, the things that we struggle with on our day-to-day life, Perhaps it's because of that, or maybe it's because God has implanted this in all of us, but we are all aware of the fact that there is something more than this. There is something more than this temporal life and this fallen world with all of its death and its pain and its sorrow. Thank God for that. There has got to be more. This is in the heart of every man. As Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes 3.11, he has put eternity into man's heart. So we all instinctively know there is something beyond this life. Even those who don't confess and believe in Jesus Christ, they still have a hope that there's something beyond this. They just, they can't put their finger on it exactly right. And that's why many people invent ideas about what might happen afterwards. But as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, We put our hope and our trust in God's word, which tells us that all who put their faith and hope and trust in Jesus will not be disappointed, but there's a place that Jesus Christ is preparing for all of you who love him and put your trust in him. And it's paradise, and it's glorious, and it's just as it should be. All the ways that you hope that the earth was now, it will be times a Googleplex. And so God has put eternity in our hearts and it's easy to uh, appreciate eternity in light of this temporary life, in light of times and seasons. But it's also important to know the fact that time does not govern God. God governs time. Time has no control over God, but rather God dictates time. And you've heard it said before that God is outside of time. And this is absolutely true. God is the I am, which means he is the always was, always is, always will be. God in himself is eternity. God is eternal. And he is the creator of time. Time did not create God. Time does not constrain God, but rather God created time. And therefore, God does not submit to the rules of the day and the night and the changing of the seasons, but day-night changing seasons submit to him. For example, when you look back in the Old Testament, God demonstrated this fact, and he stopped time. God can stop time as we know it if he chooses to. Joshua 10, 12 through 13 says, At that time Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord gave the Amorites over to the sons of Israel, And he said in the sight of Israel, sun stand still at Gibeon and moon in the valley of Ahalon. And the sun stood still and the moon stopped until the nation took vengeance on their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Jashar? The sun stopped in the midst of of heaven and did not hurry to set for about a whole day. So God could stop time. He could stop the season. He, He can stop the day, the night if he chooses. So God is superior to time. Also, God's perspective of time is different than ours. 
Here we are in time. God is outside of time. And so our perspectives, of course, are going to be different. The things that we uh, put so much weight on are going to be much different than the things that God perceives or views. 2 Peter 3.8 tells us, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. See, God looks through the corridors of time and he sees generations upon generations upon generations beyond what we can see. God knows the beginning from the end. He is the Alpha, the Omega. He knows exactly where you are going to be next year. He knows exactly what's going to happen within the next hour. God is sovereign over time and he is sovereign over our lives. And time, we think of a thousand years and we think how, well, that's a long time. For God, it's nothing. And so our perspectives are not the same and it's important we recognize that. And God has the authority, God alone has the authority to extend or to shorten our lives. Because the Bible seems to indicate that God has determined that each person live a predetermined amount of years. The psalmist writes in Psalm 139, 16, Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. And then Job also laments, Man who is born of woman is, a few, is few of days and full of trouble. He comes out like a flower and withers. He flees like a shadow and continues not. His days are determined, and the number of his months is with you, and you have appointed his limits that he cannot pass. So God right now knows the day and hour of your death. Nobody else but God can determine that for you. But if God chooses, he will even extend life, just as he answered the prayers of King Hezekiah. And he gave him 15 more years of life, according to the scriptures. But conversely, also we read in 1 John 5, 16 through 17, that a believer's death can be premature through certain unrepentant sins. And so we see that God, he is indeed supreme over time and over our life. So then after considering all these theological and philosophical um, facts from Scripture about time and about our life. What then should our attitude be towards time and towards our life as we continue living here on this earth and within the constraints of time? Well, J.R.R. Tolkien, he wrote this profound statement through his characters in the Lord of the Rings series. And I, I love this statement. It tells us, uh, first Frodo is speaking, he says, I, I wish it need not have happened in my time. And he's talking about just the, the evil that was on the rise. And I think as we look, we look across the landscape of the world today, we see evil is progressively on the rise. And so we share this sentiment here with this character, Frodo. I, I wish it need not have to happen in my time, said Frodo. And so do I, said Gandalf. And so do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to do is decide what to do with the time that is given us. 
And obviously, Tolkien uh, was a man of faith, and I believe in his faith, as he wrote these words, he was very considerate of God's gift of time to us. Because after all, when we think about it, time is truly a gift. Not just the fact that he created it, and it's good, and it glorifies himself, and it, it, it's something for us to behold and to appreciate, but also because after the fall, God gave us bonus time, extra time, in which we have an opportunity to reconnect with him as our creator, as our God. And so time is a gift. Every single second that you are alive is a gift. As a pastor, um, I think about parents who deal with the death of their children, especially young infants or toddlers. What a difficult, difficult thing to help people through. But when we consider the fact that every second, every moment is a gift, even three months with a child, three months of time with a child, it's a blessing. It's a huge blessing. And when our hearts are aching and they're broken about loss, sometimes that can be hard to, to come to grips with. That the time we had was a blessing because we want more time. We want more time with our loved ones, with our friends. But every moment is a blessing and therefore God calls for us to manage our time well. Because it is a gift from Him. Time is fleeting. Time is precious. And on the spectrum of eternity, our time here on earth is relatively short. Life is short. short. And the old, more older I get, the more I recognize this fact. I mean, how, how many of you who are uh, in your 30s or 40s are starting to recognize more than ever how short your life really is? The, the breaching point for me... <laughs> <laughs> Amen to that. The breaching point for me was when I reached that point and I, I recognized that I am at the age now that my parents were at when I was a young child and I looked at them and thought, they're old. <laughs> Eric and I were talking about this yesterday. Um, and so I, I recognize that now in the cycle of life, I am now in that place that I remember my parents being old or thinking they were old. But now I look at my parents, I'm like, no, they're old now. That's <laughs> <laughs> they weren't that old back then. But I can, I can feel it in my body. I can feel it in, with the fatigue and just, uh, just things are starting to break down. You know, instead of thriving in my youth, I'm starting to manage what I eat because it affects the rest of my week. And that's just a weird thing. But all these different things that remind us that life is indeed short. We're not here for a very long time. The psalmist in 144.4 writes, Man is like a breath. His days are like a passing shadow. James 4.13-17 says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town, and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. 
And so we are called to manage what little time we have here on earth with wisdom and with righteousness. Because it's not long. It doesn't take very long for you to ruin your life. And it doesn't take very long for you to set your life on, on a right course. And life, the short life is much better lived living for his kingdom and his righteousness. And all it takes, and many of us can say amen to this, but all it takes is for you to, to live a life of rebellion and chaos for a few years to figure out that, yeah, that's, that's really not a good way to live this life. So we don't want to waste our lives, but we want to manage the time we have. Psalm 90.12 says, Teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Ephesians 5.15-21, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. This last week as we celebrated Thanksgiving, as you did with your families, that was not a waste of time. Especially if you came together in the name of the Lord and you were living uh, and eating and drinking righteously and doing right. That is not a waste of time. Time that we spend together, every fraction, every second that we spend together is not a waste of time. Spending time with a brother or sister in Christ, lifting one another up, encouraging one another, sending that text that'll encourage them throughout the week. You know, many of you sent me texts as, as you're aware that my, my best friend, my best guy friend, Mike Peake, passed away last Sunday at 10.01 p.m. And many of you went out of your way to send me a text just to say, hey, we love you, we're here for you. That was not a waste of time, at least not to me. That was, that was precious. So every little moment of time that you take to reach out, to connect with another human being is not a waste of time. Colossians 4, 5, walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of time. So even outside of the context of church, when you're working at your secular job and you're trying to live as Christ, be salt and light in the world to your coworkers, that is not a waste of time. So long as you are walking in wisdom, walking in his wisdom. And so we want to manage our time well with, with wisdom. It is a gift from God. But also recognize the fact that times change. Just like God created the seasons of the earth to change, he also created the seasons of your life to change. And as much as we're, we're in a pocket of a really good time in our life. Everything's going really well. The family's well. The marriage is good. You, you're liking your job. Uh, church is, is real positive. There's no church splits going on. Everybody's just hunky-dory. You know, those great times, those are the times that we strive for. And we, we do everything that we can to, to hold on to those times with a, with a death grip. Or when there's, there's peace and, and righteousness in our town, we, we want to hold on to those things, as we should. But yet God has made 
the whole scope of time to vary, to be different. The whole scope of your life, it's an adventure, it's a journey. It's not the same nine to five office job in a cubicle every single day, but rather God causes us to go here. He causes us to go there. He changes variables within our life, variables that are outside of our control. If it were up to me, Mike would still be here. My friend, I'd be with Mike. But ultimately, that's selfish because God had other plans. And we shouldn't look back on, on the good old days. You know how people say, oh, I wish we knew when we were in the good old days. Well, the Christian perspective ought to be right here and now is the good, good day. Today is a good day. Even if things aren't going your way or exactly like you'd hope, Today is a good day because this is the day that the Lord has made and I will rejoice and be glad in it. So there there is no concept of the good old days as a Christian. We are a forward-looking people. We are forward-looking to heaven, but we are also forward-looking to what's next. What What are we doing next with the Lord and for the Lord? Where is the Lord taking me next? Ecclesiastes 7.10 says, Say not, why were the former days better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask this. And then we also see that there is a time for everything. We cannot be so locked into one way or the other way. Rather, God, in His wisdom, will guide us. Ecclesiastes 3.1-8 says, For everything there is a season, and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill, and a time to heal, a time to break down, and a time to build up, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. But how are we supposed to know what time it is? The Holy Spirit of God, the wisdom of God, will assure us of what time it is. And as I think about our dear friends, the Calvins, it's their time to move. And as much as we don't want to see them go selfish, selfishly, <clears throat> it's your time to go. And so we're with you. We support you. Our prayers are with you. If you pray for us, we'll pray for you. My wife and I, you know, many people um, have talked about in light of recent events and some of the authoritarianism that we're seeing and the mandates that are coming down, we, we see that many people that we know uh, are, are heading for greener pastures, so to speak. Uh, the Ashley family moved to Idaho you, know, you guys are moving to Florida. Um, there's murmurs of other people looking into real estate 
in different places, different states. You know, and so a lot of people are wrestling with that. It is, is now the right time for us to move and the right time for us to leave? Or are we supposed to stay? And so many of you are dedicating yourselves to prayer. And I, I can just tell you that my wife and I and, and our family, we've been having this discussion. We've been praying together. And God has given us a very resounding, you are staying. And so, <laughs> th well, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> that's very kind. <laughs> um, but but that's, that's where we've come to. And even if we have to be like, as Peter says, righteous lot, standing at the gate and trying to convince people to repent from their sins and, and at the very last second escape as God's bombs are dropping on Washington State, then so be it. But as it is today, God is calling for us to stay and minister here, to serve, for my wife to clean teeth. She does a great job for my kids to be involved in the, uh, the school district here in Deer Park. And so everything we do, we try and live by wisdom. We don't try and uh, pigeonhole ourselves into one thing, but to be open to God as he is moving. You know, Abraham, uh, Abraham, when God called Abraham, he was living in, in the area of Babylon where he grew up. He was with his family. Uh, you know, I'm sure everything was, was just fine. But then God said, go, go to the land that I will show you and I will make you into a blessing and the whole world will be blessed by you, through you. And so in that same way, if God calls you to go, or if he calls you to stay, because believe me, there are places across this country that look really great right now, that, that seem like really nice places to live, especially in terms of freedom and liberty. But either way, if God is calling you to do something or to not do something, are you going to be obedient to him? Are you going to be on his watch, on his time? Or are you going to try and hold on to it with your own grip? My friends, life is short. Live it to the Lord. Appreciate every moment we get together. Take time. Don't, don't just rush out of church every Sunday, but take time to prayerfully consider people to talk to each week. Because we may not see somebody, their seat might be empty next week or next month. You just don't know. Cherish the moments God gives us. Be thankful for the time. Let's pray. Father in heaven, what a joy it is to come together with like-minded believers, to spend time in worship and praise, to celebrate you. God, I just think about the fact that you've surrounded me with people that I've gone to high school with, that I've sang in jazz choir with, that um, I've had conversation, deep conversations with in my life. I thank you for the people I've gotten to know who become like true brothers and sisters, like the Colvins, God. I, I, I just thank you for all of our memories. I thank you for the precious time you've given us. It truly has been a gift. And I pray, God, you be with them and be with all of us as we prayerfully consider what's next. So, Lord, we love you. And we do look forward to eternity with you. That's our goal. That's our aim. That's our heart's desire. So, God, we do pray for your kingdom to come, your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we do pray for your second coming, that you would come and you make all things right. We love you, Jesus. We put our trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
You are all dismissed and please stick around for some food. Turn my darkness in.